Along with the Red Pew Bibles, that'll be on page 974. Galatians 5, verses 1 through 4. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. It's good to see you this morning. I know we've got a number of visitors with us. We're really glad that you've come to be with us this morning to worship God with us. If you have any questions about anything that you see or hear or are doing, we'd be more than happy to visit with you and help to answer those questions. We wanna do everything we do from the scriptures. We open the Bible and we read what the New Testament tells us the church is and how the church behaves and how the church responds to God. And we want to do just what we see the church doing in the New Testament. And so we'd love to help and answer questions that you might have about those kinds of matters. Just a couple of uh, brief things to say before the, before the lesson begins. Uh, two weeks, just two weekends away, not this coming weekend, but the following, we're going to be having a marriage seminar here at Katy. And you are invited, even if you're not married, you're welcome to come. Um, Obviously, it is a marriage seminar, but if you're interested in that, you're more than welcome. It'll be Friday night at 7 p.m. on the 21st of January, and then Saturday morning from 9 to noon. If you are coming, we ask that you sign the uh, form in the foyer and uh, do so sooner than later if possible, because we need to arrange for things like food and babysitting, matters like that. So be prayerful about that. Wesley and Shelley Hazel from Valdosta, Georgia will be with us to bring us that seminar. And then also this week, I know uh, you've probably seen news flashes to this effect, but we've had two baptisms this week. Both Landon LaBeouf and Amy Stewart have put on Christ in baptism. It's a wonderful thing when you see young people who have been brought up by their parents to love and to serve the Lord, when you see them obeying the gospel. And certainly we're happy for the decision that both Landon and Amy have made. And we pray for them and their ongoing walk with Christ. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 3, and I'll meet you there in just a few moments. Hebrews chapter 3. Once saved, always saved is a very popular doctrine. The idea that once somebody becomes a Christian, there is nothing that that person can ever do to be lost. There's nothing that person can ever do to depart from the Lord. It's popular. Many, many, many religious people believe that doctrine. Some call it the perseverance of the saints. Once saved, always saved. But does the Bible teach that that doctrine is true? What does the Bible have to say about that? That's the question that every thoughtful student of God's word needs to answer. And what the Bible does teach is this that there is security in being a Christian because as we submit to the will of God, as we follow and walk in the footsteps of Jesus, as we trust in what he has done for us at the cross, there is security. But we can also make the decision to walk away. And just when we think that we are strong enough to stand on our own, that's when we are in the most danger of all, falling from grace. 
You think about some passages in the New Testament that indicate that this is something that is constantly on God's mind and something that ought to be on ours more. We're going to talk about Hebrews 3 in just a moment, but think about these. In Revelation 2 verse 4, Jesus is writing to a congregation, an entire group of Christians just like this one this morning. And he says, I have something against you, church. You have abandoned, you have left your first love. Is it possible for a congregation, for an individual to leave the love that they had for the Lord? Jesus says it is. Matthew 24, verse 12, Jesus warned about how the love of some people was going to grow cold. Is it possible for somebody to sincerely love the Lord, to be devoted to him, to serve him, to want to follow him with all their lives, to sincerely be in that condition, and then for that love to grow cold again? Scriptures indicate, yes, it is. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. The entire book of Hebrews is about warning people who are already Christians, not to drift away, not to fall away. And listen to what the writer says. In Hebrews 2 verse 1, he says, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to the things we have heard. We need to listen to the book. We need to listen to the word of God. Why, Hebrews writer, lest we drift away from it. So the Bible is indicating to you and to me that the possibility exists if we're not paying attention to what the Word of God teaches that we might well depart from the teachings of the Word and thereby a relationship with the Lord Himself. In the New Testament, there was a man who was a Christian. His name was Demas. Maybe you've heard of him. Demas is mentioned in three passages. Two of them are positive and one is negative. The two positive passages are Colossians 4.14. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Paul is writing a letter, and he says, Demas, he's right here with me, and he greets you. He's a Christian, like you are. And then in Philemon, verse 24, a similar letter. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. So Demas is a man who is a Christian. He is a fellow worker with Paul. He is someone who is a fellow soldier for the sake of the Lord. But when the book of 2 Timothy is written many years later, Paul writes in 2 Timothy 4, verse 10, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Is it possible for someone to become a Christian and then to leave the Lord? Is it possible for someone to forsake the Lord, to walk away and to lose the salvation that's only provided in Christ? Again, the Bible answers that question with a resounding yes. The doctrine of once saved, always saved is popular for understandable reasons. But biblically, it just does not hold up to the light and the scrutiny of God's word. Let's do this with our lesson this morning. Let's talk first of all this morning. We've already been doing this to some extent about the possibility of falling from grace. Let's talk about some scriptures and look at them with a little bit of detail. You've got your Bibles open to Hebrews chapter 3. I want you to notice in your own Bible, Hebrews 3 verses 12 through 19. This may be the lengthiest passage contemplating this idea of falling away that you read anywhere in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 3 beginning in verse 12. I've got it on the screen, but it's in tiny print. I know that. It's a lot of verses. I want you to look at it in your Bible as well. Watch this. Hebrews 3 verse 12. Beware, brethren... He's talking to Christians. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. 
You see, when we fall away, we're not just walking away from the church. We're not just walking away from our Christian family. It's departing from God himself. What's the remedy, Hebrews writer? In verse 13, he says, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. This can happen to Christians, he's saying. Verse 14, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our confession or the beginning of our confidence to the end. While it is said, verse 15, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And then in verses 16 through 19, he goes back to bring our minds back to the Israelites in the wilderness. And he says, don't be like those Israelites. In verse 16, the Israelites were the ones who, even though they came out of Egypt, they rebelled against God. In verse 17, those Israelites, even though they came out of Egypt, they sinned against God and their corpses were left in the wilderness. In verse 18, those Israelites came out of Egypt, but some of them did not obey and God swore in his wrath that they would not enter his rest. So they sinned, they rebelled against God, they did not obey and they died out there in that wilderness, the writer says. And then it says in verse 19, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Why is this in the New Testament? Because it's warning us, don't be like the Israelites. You can walk away from God. Even though you cross through that Red Sea, even though you've become a New Testament Christian, you've been delivered out of bondage into freedom, you can still rebel against God. Other passages to contemplate as we think about the possibility of falling from grace. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 27, Paul writes, as a preacher, as an apostle, he says, I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself might become disqualified. It's not just a hypothetical that he's, that he's thinking about, you know, and it might happen, you know. He's, he's saying, I as a preacher need to carefully weigh my motives and my attitudes and my actions as a gospel preacher because I can tell people the truth and I myself can be lost, he says disqualified. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, in the same context, he warns you, therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. There's a danger, brothers and sisters, in thinking that we've got our act together, that we've got everything fixed in our lives. Everything's perfect with me. Nothing needs to be changed. Nothing needs to be scrutinized or evaluated. And I certainly need no repentance. That is dangerous for us to do spiritually. If you think you've got it all together, take heed lest you fall. Other passages, Galatians 4 verse 9, Paul writes, now that you have come to know God. Again, we're not talking about the possibility of people who fake convert. He says, you know God or rather are known by God. Galatians 4 verse 9. How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? People who believe the doctrine of once saved, always saved, and I don't mean to be unkind, I'm not trying to do that this morning in any way, shape, or form, but people who believe this particular doctrine, if you point out some of these passages, they'll say, usually this, well, yes, the Bible does contain those passages that you're talking about, but those people were never really converted in the first place. If they had been converted, they wouldn't fall away. 
But what, what the Bible is talking about is people who, you know, they look like they obeyed the gospel. It was an appearance outwardly, but they were never truly converted to Christ. That is not kindly. That is not what the Bible teaches here. We're talking about people who know God and are known by God turning back again to the weak and beggarly elements of the world. Galatians 5 verse 4, you are severed, cut off from Christ. You who would be justified by the law. If you try to go back and be justified by anything other than the cross, anything other than the blood of Jesus, if you think that keeping the old law is going to do that for you, you are falling away from grace. It's not as if, well, you just kind of fake became a convert and, and now you're falling away because it was never genuine in the first place. That's not what he's saying. You have fallen away because you're trying to be justified in a different way than the New Testament prescribes. Is it possible for someone to fall from grace? The Bible affirms repeatedly that it is. 2 Peter 2.15, forsaking the right way. By the way, that word forsaking means we're leaving something that we were already part of. They were walking on the right way, but now they're forsaking it. They have gone astray and followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who gained and, and love to gain from wrongdoing. Second Peter chapter two, verses 20 through 22. If after they have escaped the defilements of the world, talking about Christians, through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if after they've done this, they are again entangled in those defilements and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. And the reason the Bible gives is because it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. The true proverb has been fulfilled, has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit and the sow after washing herself returns to wallowing in the mire. We're talking about people who know the truth and then reject it. The Bible indicates repeatedly it's possible to fall from grace. 1 Timothy 1, verses 18 through 20, I charge you and entrust you, Timothy, my child. Make sure that you're fighting the good warfare. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. And he even names names. Some people have walked away, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I've handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Here are two men who are walking as Christians and now have made shipwreck of the faith, have rejected the gospel in their lives. Experience in your life, if you've lived as a Christian for any length of time at all, experience in your life will, will show there are people who were sincere and genuine in their walk with the Lord who have departed. The highway of life is littered with the corpses of people who have fallen away. May it never be said of any of us that that's true. It's possible. First Timothy 5 verse 8, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his own household, he has denied the faith. You might be faithful in everything else, but you're like one of the Pharisees that told his parents, the things that I might have offered to you, those are Corban, those are given to God, Mark chapter 7. You've denied the faith and are worse than an unbeliever. It's possible to fall away. Why? Why does it happen? 
I suspect you could probably do a lot of lessons on the answer to this particular question. Why do people fall away from the Lord? Why do people depart? Once they know and understand and believe in the gospel and they understand what it means to be saved and justified by Jesus Christ, why would they leave the blessings and benefits that they find? I'll share with you about six reasons that I can think of this morning biblically. Number one, continuing in sin. Sin has a element to it, a characteristic to it that if you decide in your mind that you're going to keep doing it over and over and over and over and over again, and especially if you get to a point in your life where you say, I know this is wrong, but I don't care. I'm going to do it because it's what I want. This is what I want in my life. I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to keep this and I'm going to rationalize and justify and do all the things so that I can have this in my life. If that's the way you try to live your life, you're on slippery ground. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Romans chapter 6 verse 1. Another reason why people fall away from the Lord. Solomon was a wise man. Solomon was in many ways a godly man. But the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 11 verse 4, Solomon married foreign wives and they turned his heart away from the Lord. It matters who we choose to marry. If you are not married and you're thinking of getting married, may I kindly encourage you, may I strongly and forcefully encourage you, marry someone who is a Christian, a faithful New Testament Christian. It is a long and a difficult road to try to walk with someone who believes differently and is trying to be justified if they are at all differently than you are. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Amos chapter three, verse three. Many people have walked away from the Lord because they chose to walk with someone who is not a child of God. It's dangerous. The love of money, 1 Timothy chapter six, verse 10. It's the root of all kinds of evil, the love of money. I want things, I want stuff, and my mind becomes consumed with it. It can cause us to lose our relationship with the Lord. Evil companions, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, the people around us, the people that we surround ourselves with, those people have an influence on us, whether we like it or not. And evil companions corrupt, the old King James says, good morals. They have an influence on us. Why do people walk away from the Lord? Some people get caught up in what we'll call worldly wisdom. That which is not from God, but that, that which is appealing. Things that the world is saying, things that people who have studied and are scholarly are saying. There's nothing in the world wrong with scholarship and with being conversant with those in a given field. There is nothing in the world wrong with that. God calls us to give our very best in everything that we do. However, when we get caught up in worldly wisdom to the exclusion of the simplicity of the gospel, and that is that we can be saved and justified through faith and obedience to Jesus Christ, based on what he did for us at the cross, many people, because they are so educated, they reject the simplicity of what the Bible has to say. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Persecution is a reason why many people walk away. 
It may not be someone torturing or throwing a person in prison. It may just be something as simple as one's family rejecting your faith. That's a hard way to live, isn't it? If your family says, I don't believe what you believe, and further, I think it's silly that you believe what you believe. You didn't used to believe this, and now you do. Why have you changed? Why have you brought this division to our household? That's persecution. Jesus says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad when those kinds of things happen to you. Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12. For great is your reward in heaven, but the goal of persecution is to cause you to give up your faith. The goal of persecution is to cause you to repent of serving the Lord. And many people have given in to that over the years. Those are just some of the causes why people choose to walk away. Let's examine this third, the evidences. Again, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Every one of us ought to examine ourselves and ask, are some of these evidences clear in my life right now? Evidence number one, that I might be drifting from the Lord, Matthew chapter four, verse four, a failure to feed on God's word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Those are the words of Jesus. Jesus believed that the people of God, in order to maintain a relationship with God, to remain in a way that pleases God, need to feed on the word of God. I have treasured the words of your mouth more than my necessary food, Job 23, verse 12. Give more earnest heed to the things we've heard, lest we drift away, remember? Hebrews chapter two, verse one. Time in the word, thoughtfully reading the word of God is a preventive but when we fail to do that, it's an evidence that we may well be departing from the living God. Another evidence, a lack of time invested in things of God. We have a song in our songbook, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. It's a beautiful song. When we sing it, do we mean it? When we sing that song, are those words really our words? I'll tell you this, those words come right out of Psalm 42 verses one and two. I long to be with you, O God. When can I come and be in your presence, O God? Time spent in worship. Time spent in devotion to God. Time spent in the things of God, serving someone for the Lord's sake. Lack of doing that can be a strong indicator that we're going the wrong way. Evidence number three, a growing pleasure in the world. We're investing more and more time, more and more energy, and more and more money in the things of this world. We focus on that which captures our attention. And really, the principle is very simple. You can't say yes to one thing without saying no to something else. Do you know that's true? Whatever you say yes to, every yes that you give is saying no to something else. And many people say yes to the things of the world far too frequently in our lives. 
2 Timothy 3, verse 4, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Making excuses, rationalization for failure to obey God. God has clearly in his word taught a number of principles. I've got Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Many excuses can be made. Well, I can't do that. We ought to weigh and examine and ask the question, are my excuses legitimate or am I just doing what God has forbidden because it's comfortable, because it's easy for me. Evidences. Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Harsh and unchristlike judgment. When you develop a critical character, when I develop a critical character, that is a sure sign that I am not very Christ-like. When criticism just flows freely, and I can tell you what's wrong and how everybody could fix their problems if they just listen to me. If I have that kind of attitude constantly and I'm constantly fault finding and nitpicking when I act that way, that is harsh, that is unmerciful, that is unchristlike, and that is a sure sign that my soul's in jeopardy. And so is yours. Matthew 7 verses 1 through 5. Those are some evidences that we might well be on the wrong path spiritually. And then, fourth this morning, some preventives from falling from grace. The Bible teaches that people can depart from the living God. You can become a Christian and you can choose to walk away. What keeps us from making that decision? What is it that's going to help our faith to grow and to be vibrant, to be, as we sang a few moments ago, pure, warm, and changeless, a living fire? What's going to help us to do that? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, valuing each individual Christian. Valuing each individual Christian, the body of Christ, the church that belongs to Jesus Christ is given to us so that we can encourage one another. We are like coals in a fire and if one coal is removed, it'll soon grow cold. We are like parts of a body. If my hand is severed, it will soon wither because it's not connected to the body. That's what Paul's saying in 1 Corinthians 12. He's saying, the eye can't say to another part of the body, I have no need of you. We need one another. And to genuinely value each individual Christian is a wonderful thing to do, not just because God says do it, but because we're exhorting one another. We're encouraging one another. Acts 20, verse 28, what's going to prevent us from falling away from the Lord? Feeding on the word of God. And Acts 20, verse 28 was picked for a specific reason. It's a charge to elders. Elders are given the responsibility to feed the flock, to shepherd the flock of God. Elders have a lot of responsibilities, brothers and sisters and friends. We need to pray for them. I'm thankful for our elders, the vision that they show each year at the beginning of the year, talking about what we intend to do prayerfully with God's help in the coming year and the coming following years. I'm thankful for elders that think about those things. But I'll tell you this, one of the responsibilities that every eldership has is to make sure that the church is being fed and not just being fed fluff. 
Elderships ought to be concerned with knowing that the people that they are shepherding are hearing the whole counsel of God, Acts 20, verse 27. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God because all scripture is profitable. And may it always be the case that the elders in Katy have that as their goal and their core. We want the church to be fed. We want people to feed on the word of God because this is what prevents walking away from God. What's gonna help us in our walk? Self-examination, 2 Corinthians 13, verse five. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Every single one of us needs to think about this question. What is there in my life that God is telling me I need to repent? I need to turn into his will. I need to change what I'm doing. I need to change my attitude. I need to change the way I'm thinking so that I can be more in harmony with God's will. If you never ask that question, there's a problem. Don't live that way. And certainly don't try to portray yourselves to others that way. You know, I've got it all together. Just just do what I do and you'd be a perfect Christian. Don't act that way. That's not the gospel. Jesus is perfect. Follow him. Do what he teaches. Examine yourself. 1 Peter 1, verses 5 through 10. We are to give diligence, that means do our best, to add the things that really count. And if you read that passage, we've got a wonderful class going on on Sunday mornings in the auditorium on First and Second Peter. One of the things that those books teach is that every Christian ought to do their best to add virtue to their faith and knowledge to their virtue and self-control and brotherly love and godliness. Those kinds of things are what count in life. Those kinds of things are what need to be added to our lives. And Peter says in 2 Peter chapter one, if you'll do these things, you will never stumble. Did you know that? If you will add these things to your faith, if you will add these things to your life, you're pursuing things that are worthwhile, things that matter. That'll prevent us from departing from the living God. You have known and I have known many people over the years that have walked away. Maybe one of the things we ought to think about doing in 2022 is Operation Restoration. Making some phone calls and making some visits to people who we know have been left by the wayside where their faith is concerned. But more than that, Let's appreciate that while it is possible to fall from grace, that is not God's will for you. And it doesn't have to happen in any of our lives. What God desires of us is not complicated. It's not easy, but it's not complicated. What God desires of us is that we devote our lives to following and serving and loving Jesus Christ and by extension, loving his people. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do those things and you'll walk in harmony with God. May we as individuals and as a congregation think about the possibility and work in such a way that we walk humbly with our God. Maybe you need to respond to the gospel this morning because you realize that you've never come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've You've never obeyed the gospel. The way that someone obeys the gospel biblically 
is by putting their faith in Jesus Christ, by repenting of their sin, by confessing his name, and by being immersed in water, baptized for the remission of sins. When someone is baptized, that's the moment when they become a Christian. If you're ready to make that commitment this morning, maybe you've left the Lord and you want to come back to him. We're willing to pray with you. We're willing to study with you. We're willing to help you. Won't you come down the aisle and make your need known as together we stand and as we sing. Scripture reading this morning.